You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Good. Some of you are lying. But it's good to have you at church. Excited to be worshiping with you and uh, being able to walk through, uh, continue to walk through the gospel of Mark. For those of you who don't know, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at CA Church. And um, we have been exploring the, the gospel according to Mark. There are four gospels. They are all aiming to tell a kind of a different angle on the story of Jesus. The idea of God taking on flesh in the person of Jesus and walking among us. Showing us what true obedience to God the Father looks like. And for Jesus, that took him all the way ultimately to the cross. And we've, it's been a, we've, this is just the fourth uh, week that we're into the series. We took a break last week and uh, I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of feedback that it's been, it's been helpful. Um, one of the things I love to do is walk through books of the Bible, not just take themes and, and kind of find the scripture to, to deal with those, but to walk through books of the Bible. And so I've been really enjoying walking through this. But what I want to ask you this morning before we step into the text is uh, why have you come to church this morning? What brings you here? You don't have, you can think about it. You don't have to, you don't have to yell it out. Because um, your, your answer might be simply, well, it's Sunday morning. I got nothing else to do. I've got to fill in something on a Sunday morning. And to that I say, gosh, thank you. That's great. Um, but some of you, if you were honest, you look and you go, well, it's, it's what we do. It's what, it's what I've always done. It's, it's what I do. Um, maybe you need a, a spiritual B12 shot. You just need help through the week. You just need to kind of be boosted and kind of lifted up on a wave and then kind of pushed throughout the week. Maybe um, you, have, you have kids and you want to make sure they have a good uh, upbringing. You want, you want to bring them up right. So you want them to have some good biblical teaching, and, which, is a, which is a great thing. In fact, uh, studies in sociology will show that that's often a time when, when families do start coming to church is when they have kids uh, and they, they're starting to get concerned about how their kids are, are growing up. Often people who have left the church will often come back once they start having kids because they want a little help with that. And, and that's a good thing too. Some of you, if I was to ask you why, what brings you here, you might say, I'm looking for a good community. And that's great. That's what we're meant to be as the church. We're meant to be seen and we're meant to be welcomed. We're meant to, to belong. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25 says, we have it up there. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, that we should, we should not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's important that we get together. Maybe some of you want a little more than that. Maybe you're looking for something miraculous to happen in your life. You want Jesus to do something big in your life. You've heard great stories. You know the Bible stories. You've, you've, you've heard great stories from different uh, churches, maybe from some Christian friends about how Jesus has changed their life. Maybe you've heard the miraculous happen in people's lives as a result of prayer and calling on the name of Jesus. What brings you here today. Let me change the, the emphasis of the question, because we all know you can kind of change it. So what brings you here today? Because you might look around, well, we're all here kind of, no, no, no. What brings you, why are you here this morning? And then the question might be, what brings you here 
this morning. You could be anywhere this morning. You, you could, I mean, maybe there's some guilt because you're married, whatever. There's some of that kind of stuff, like, we well, should be going to church. That, but if it was up to you, what brings you here? It, it could just be eating Doritos and watching Netflix, and you came here. Well, in the text that we're going to read this morning and walk through, we see a handful of people coming to Jesus for different reasons. They all have this different idea of what Jesus can fulfill for them. We have, we have a crowd that, that loves, loves Jesus, and they love what Jesus is doing. There's healing going on. There's teaching. There's him at, like, there's like UFC battles with the demonic, and he's taking them down every time. People want to be healed. They want to feel clean. They want to belong. They want forgiveness. They just want to be close to Jesus. Maybe that's why you're here. You just want to be close to Jesus. As I read this text, and I'm going to read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. It's a bit of a long text this morning. I'm going to let you sit. It's the kind of guy I am. I'm going to let you sit. And I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1, verse 35, to chapter 2, verse 12. 135 to chapter 2, verse 12. And as I read this, I want you to think, who, who would I be in this story? Who would I be lined up next to as I looked at Jesus? Starting at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, being Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, also known as Peter, and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next town, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests, offer your cleansing, uh, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. That's an, uh, giving a, a, a sacrifice for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter, coming from every, every, every area. And when he returned, this is at chapter 2 now, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there, were no more, there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. 
And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Jesus, so many powerful interactions with you. I pray that we would engage with you this morning. I pray, whether, we've, whether we would have said this earlier or not, that we would come here wanting to engage with you, to know you more above anything else. Speak to us this morning, we pray. Amen. So I don't know where you find yourself in the story, maybe amazed by his power, trying to track down Jesus when he's just trying to get some quiet time. Maybe you're surprised by the kinds of things that he says. You're judging him, maybe. Maybe you're an outcast. You feel like you, you don't belong. You can't get close to Jesus. Unable to walk. In need of forgiveness. Well, in this text, we see a handful of people coming to Jesus that you could ask these questions of them. What brings you here today? And I think one would be hype. That would be the first group that comes, the, the crowd that wants to get around Jesus. We see in 35 to 39 that, that Peter, Peter shows up while Jesus is trying to have some quiet time like he's his press, his press guys. Like the crowd's ready. They're waiting for you. What are you doing here? In, intruding on his quiet time. So a little bit of confession. I love, I love to have my quiet time. As you guys know, I'm an extrovert, but I also love to really have my quiet time. And so there have been times where I have a new book or I just want some time to myself. I'll get up early and I'll go up to the living room. And it used to be that that worked all the time, but now I'll find my kids sitting there as they get older and have lives. And I'll, go, I'll, um, I'll peek my head above at the top of the stairs. I'll be like, oh, good morning. How'd you sleep? And in my mind, I'm going, when are you moving out? I just, I want my space back. And I want, I don't mean that, but I, just, I, I was hoping to have some quiet time. Jesus understands the importance of, of these rhythms of solitude. And you notice he gets less and less of them, even though he's seeking them out. Well, it's still dark. He finds a desolate place. And Simon Peter shows up with his friends. Jesus, are you done yet? I mean, there, there, there's some important stuff we need to get to. Everyone is looking for you. Ministry is growing. The people are impressed. You are doing a good job. We're getting a large following. And Jesus is not interested in that crowd. This crowd that wants to see him do some more tricks. He's far less interested in quantity than he is in quality. That's probably a lesson for the modern church. He's not, the big crowd doesn't excite Jesus. Verse 39, Jesus begins to travel the area, stopping in at different towns and synagogues and announcing his arrival and casting out demons. He's taking territory for the kingdom, both physically and spiritually. But he's not doing it for the hype. He's doing it to proclaim that God has shown up. Pay attention. If you were to ask some others, what brings you here today? They might just say, I just want to belong. I want to be in community. I don't want to. So outside of one of these towns, Jesus is approached by a leper, kneeling and asking to be made clean. Now, in scripture, the word leper can mean any sort of uh, disease, but the implications of this man, and often in, by the time the New Testament was written, it's the, the idea of your, your, your body slowly deteriorating, the ability to feel the sense of your nerves is, is disappearing. And it was believed that leprosy was 
far more contagious than it was. And so people were pushed far outside. In verse 40, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, I said that they met him outside of a town. It doesn't say that they met, met him outside of a town. I'm, I'm assuming. And the reason I'm assuming is because lepers weren't allowed into town. They were on the outside of a town. They were made fun of and they were pushed away. They were not allowed in. They were to live outside the walls as the, the unclean and the untouchable. They were to yell it out. If you, if you weren't paying attention and they were coming your way, they would yell out, I'm unclean. Imagine you having to do that. I'm unclean. Stay away from me. One of the most beautiful texts in all of Scripture is found right here in verse 41. Moved with pity. The, 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 the language is so much more raw in the original. It's, it's feeling it in his gut, literally in his intestines. Feeling it. A compassion and pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him? He said, I, I will. I'm willing. Be clean. Not for promotion. It was for compassion. It was, it was Jesus saying, God has his eye on you. God does not reject you. God welcomes you in. Verse 44 says, and say, say to them, he says to this leper after he heals him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your, for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Go show the priest. Put, put the priest, put the religious leaders on notice that God is on the move. But other than that, be clean, enjoy life, get into a community group, and, <laughs> and have some community that you've never had before. You notice the leper didn't even ask to be healed. He said, make me clean. Make it so I'm not separate. Make it so people welcome me in. And notice Jesus could have waited to touch him. Jesus, as a religious leader, immediately made himself religiously unclean by touching this man. Jesus could have gone, be clean, and then go over and, <laughs> and touch the man. He did it in this order on purpose. No religious man in that day would ever, no rabbi, no priest would ever, they would always walk on the other side. And I guarantee when this leper came before Jesus, the whole crowd went like this and all stepped back. Nobody wants to get too close. He had spiritual cooties. And if you were touched by this man, you then had spiritual cooties. And socially that just ruins your day. For months, then there's isolation. There's being cut off from the world. There's ongoing testing to see if you're clean. People keeping their distance. Sorry, I'm just trying to think of a metaphor, a modern day metaphor for what? Isolation, quarantine. But quarantine actually meant what quarantine means. 40 days. Even if you got over your leprosy, you still had to wait things out for a while to make sure that it was truly Gone, And if you look at Leviticus chapter 14, there's a whole, a whole process that lepers had to go through, even when they were seen to be clean of leprosy. And if you were to come in contact with a leper, you would have to do all the same things, quarantine, isolation, separation from society. And the compassion of Jesus touches him first. And I wonder, I'm not sure what did more for this leper. Being healed of his leprosy or being touched by the, the purest, most perfect human in the history of humanity. Saying, I, I'm willing to associate with you. I'm willing to take on what you have. That's the gospel. 
I'm willing to take on what you have. That's what we need, isn't it? (laughs) That's what we need. Part of what Jesus is doing here, part of what Mark is doing as he writes this gospel, is proclaiming to all his readers and to you and I, you are welcome. I see you. You are loved. And I can make you clean. I mean, wouldn't it be great if that's what the church was known for? We see you. We love you. You are welcome here. There is nothing that will keep you away from us or ought to. That should be our motto. You are clean and you are seen. That would be a good, a good church model. And we see the leper does not have the ability to do the simple. He had one job. Don't go tell everybody. He had one job. And he went out. So when you said don't tell, did you mean like go and tell everybody? And he went and he told everybody. Verse 45. He told everybody so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But was out in desolate places. Oh good, Jesus, you can go, you still go to those desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus cannot get alone now. But you never get the idea that Jesus got mad at people. That he said don't go tell anybody. And they went and told him, you just kind of see him going, oh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. The kingdom has exploded in your heart and in your life. I get it. Maybe today you come with requests to Jesus. Maybe you come to Jesus and you say, you know what, there's so much going on that I just, I don't want, it's, I feel like it's sticking to me. I just, I want to be made clean. That was what the leper was asking for. But some who came to Jesus, if they were asked, you know, what brings you here? They would say, I, I got a list of things. I, there's things I need. There's things I need. Lelaine and I were reading an article. My wife and I were reading an article the other day that said um, uh, millennials upset that they're not going to get what they want in life. It's like, Yeah. Obviously, you're not. We, we all have lists of things that we want and that we wish for in life that we're not going to get all of them. But some people, and we see this throughout the Gospels, they, they're just coming to, for him to continue to, to give them things, to be their solution to certain problems, but none of them are the real problem. Jesus returns to his home base in Capernaum, probably living with Peter and Peter's mom. Peter was still living in his mom's basement. They didn't have basements, but he was living with his mom. Probably staying there. And again, word gets out. A crowd gathers. Jesus is the hot ticket in town. Everyone's gathering around. It is a sold-out show. I mean, neighbors are probably calling the CPD, the Capernaum Police Department. And, and, and P- Peter's neighbors were probably going, can you turn it down? It's loud. And the very one, the very one that Jesus goes to a party to say your senior love can't get into the party. The very one that Jesus would make a priority on is having a hard time getting in. A paralytic man. His legs do not work. Actually, the word in the Greek could imply that nothing worked. He couldn't move at all. Thank goodness he has the right friends. Actively helping. And and if you've heard me preach on this text before or or in the other Gospels, this text, I, I think this is a beautiful metaphor for the church or what the church ought to be. Someone who is broken, Someone who can't carry themselves, whether it be depression or anxiety or just a spiritual heaviness, and the friends get around and go, we know you can't walk on your own right now. We will carry you. That is a metaphor for the church, or it ought to be. 
Because we have people walking in spiritual darkness, watch, walking with some heaviness, and even they can't even utter words of prayer. And we need to be the people lifting them up in prayer and going, no, I don't know why you're on this journey. I don't know why God has allowed this in your life, but wherever it's going to go, we are going to carry you. We are going to go with you. We're not going anywhere. Man, that would, be, that would be a beautiful metaphor for the church. And I love all the, all the, vow, uh, the, the verbs in this, in Mark 2. All the, the action that these guys do. Do we have that text up there? Maybe not. All right. All right. It's playing tricks on me. Look at that. Look at the verbs here. Then they, they came. No, hey. <laughs> it's hard when you. I love you too, son. I'm cutting your pay in half. And they came, bringing him to the bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. Sounds easy. It was not easy. And when they had made an opening, made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. There's the only verb for the paralytic laying while they are doing all this action of getting him, getting him to the feet of Jesus. Roofs at that time, some of you might know, in first century were made of dried mud and thatch and beams. So they would have taken a ladder or an outside stairway, stairway up up to the roof and then just started breaking it up, ripping it back, maybe with their hands, maybe they had some tools. So even this crowded house, maybe even on Jesus, dirt and gra dried grass and thatch and mud, it's all falling down. As, I'm sure Jesus probably paused. Let's just hold that thought. And then just waited for everything to be torn open. And you think at that point, the paralytic must be going, yes, I'm finally here. I'm humbled. I couldn't get myself here on my own. I've heard the stories of his healing, of lepers being healed just outside town. I've heard of other families, other friends who have brought people who've had ailments, and Jesus has healed them. And his friends must be going, we did it. We pulled it off. Here he is at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, anxiously awaiting healing, and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> However, except he wouldn't, probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But however, I've heard all these stories and I want what they're having. I'm not so concerned about my sins being forgiven. I want to pick up my mat and I want to get out of here. But see, there's others in the room. And I, I'm sure Jesus didn't do this, but I could almost see him going, just, I, just, I, just, I got to teach these guys something. Just hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. Jesus knows what he's doing. I hope it doesn't surprise you when I say that. Jesus knew what he was doing. There, is, there are scribes in the room, the religious leaders of the room, those who study the Hebrew scriptures, unpack it, and then deliver it to the people of God. And he is exposing them. They're saying, why does this guy speak with this kind of authority? Who does he think he is to say, your sins are forgiven? And he's about to expose them. He's asking them, what brings you here today? Why are you in this room right now? Are you wanting to sit at my feet like a disciple? Or are you here to just critique and judge me and find everything wrong that you can so that you don't have to follow me? You're here to challenge my authority. You want to judge me. Jesus says, listen, it's true. It's easy for me. It's easy for me to say your sins are forgiven. But let me show you something. Let me show you that I have authority over the spiritual realm. But since you can't see the spiritual realm, only I can, since you can't see the spiritual realm, I will do something in the physical world so you can believe what I can do in the spiritual world. 
the scribe, it was their job to understand the deep things of God. It's easy to say your sins are forgiven like he does in verse 10. Verse 10 to 12, he says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I don't know whether the word all means the scribes also started to glorify God. It would be nice. But we do see an ongoing friction throughout the Gospels. But I mean, it, Jesus saying, hey, you want proof? Here's your proof. Stand up and walk. And everyone was amazed and glorified. I mean, if Jesus was not our humble king, you know that's a mic drop. And it's just like, how you like me now? But Jesus would not do that. And here's the thing. Something deeper is going on here. And, and, and I think we need to see it. Maybe you've already recognized it. Maybe you are, are ahead of many others uh, in the gospel. Jesus knew that this man needed so much more than physical healing. Jesus knew that this man needed so much more than just the top thing on his list. The, the thing that seems so evident to everybody. Whether he knew it or not, healing would not bring what he truly needed in life. Fundamentally, forgiveness brings about what this man truly needed. So maybe when I ask the question this morning, what brings you here inside, you're saying, I want to be forgiven. I, 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 and I don't just mean I did this. I spoke to my, my wife this week. I, did, I disciplined my kids this week. I did this at work this week. I looked at this. I shouldn't have looked at this. I had my mind on this. I shouldn't have had my mind on this. I spent time here. I shouldn't have spent time there. I want to be forgiven from top to bottom. I want to sense that the creator of all things looks at me and he sees a clean, acceptable son or daughter. There's no implication here that this man's ailment had anything to do with sin. No one accuses him of it. We do see that in other places in the gospel. Nobody accuses him of it. Jesus doesn't mention it. It doesn't seem to be on anyone else's making that connection. I'm sure the paralytic was not necessarily interested in forgiveness, but Jesus knows something about this man, just like he knows something about me. I will always need more than outer healing. I will always need more than just having my needs Met. I need a deep clean. Jesus might say to this young man who he calls son or child, depending on your translation, you're mistaken if, if you're thinking that my, my healing of you will fulfill what you're truly in need of, what you're truly hoping for. Yeah, you'll be ecstatic. You'll, you'll run around like the leper and you'll tell everybody, you will celebrate, but it won't last. It won't last. Because everywhere you go, there you are. That's the one variable in all of our lives that is always consistent. The discontent of the human heart goes very deep. The ideal health, the ideal wage, and the ideal relationship doesn't do what it promises. It leaves us depressed and 
anxious. Why? Because we swim in the water of a culture that says we have everything in the West that you need to make you happy. We have everything in the West that can satisfy your physical, your spiritual, and your emotional needs. And so once we try them out and we realize they don't work, well, what's left? If everything there ought to make us content and happy, the only person that must be the problem is us. So why is everyone walking around depressed and anxious? I wonder. The other option is they're lying to us. They're lying. They can't deliver what they say they can. When you watch that car commercial and there's some dude from King of Thrones and his hair is blowing slowly in the wind, it's promising you some weird emotional satisfaction that it cannot and will not deliver. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will actually fulfill your deepest need. And if you fail me, I will always forgive you. I'm the only Savior that will do that. Everything else we pursue will turn on us. Author Cynthia Heimel gives an example. She's, she's passed away now, and she was, she was quite a crass author of, of books and, and some writing in the, the New York Times. But she, she talks a little bit about what it's like when we get what we think we need. She says, I pity celebrities, and she knew a lot. I re- no, I really do. They were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish and then laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. You see, these celebrities wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness, had happened, and they were still them. The disillusionment turned them howling and insufferable. That's the story of the angst of our society that is promised with a a, a liturgy all day long that's going to hit you the minute you get in your car and turn the radio on or go home or whatever, that the culture can offer everything you need physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then it doesn't deliver, and we become angry, depressed, anxious people. She was a, a kind of a crass, raw author of books and articles that most of us wouldn't read and probably shouldn't read. But she saw the emptiness in reaching our goals and getting our desires. Many people come to Jesus, come to God, come to church because they have problems. And, and really all, all, they're quickly, all they're looking for is a bit of a, a jump start, a quick, a quick patch up so that, that they can go on trying to save themselves. So that they can go on and just keep pursuing the same stuff during the week. But can you just fill me up and give me a boost on Sunday and I'll just keep running the same treadmills? Jesus says, why are you really here? See, I know why you're really here. Do you know why you're really here? What brings you here? See, like he did with the religious leaders, Jesus knows the real questions that we're asking. Even if we can't audibly or can't put them together. He's not just a miracle worker. He is a savior. He's not simply here for a boost to get you and I through our next week, through the day. He's the creator of the week. He's the creator of the day. He's not just a jester that we say dance and make me happy. He is the king. 
What have we come looking for? What brings us here? See, Jesus can give you what you want. Jesus can heal you. He can make you rich. He can give you your deepest desire, but it will do you no good until you realize your deepest desire is for him. Everything else pushes the lie that other pursuits will satisfy, and that would be a cruel, practical joke. And we can't deal with with this deep need by moralism and trying to live right lives and just doing our best, always doing better. We, we can't do it by de- denying our deeper need and just trying to gloss over it with all sorts of other things, pretending that we can walk on our own when we can't, attempting to become clean on our own when we can't. We can't scrub deep enough. Come to the person and the life of Jesus who sees you, who loves you, who heals you, and forgives you. See, we highlight community here at CA Church as a whole because it's very important to live in community, to feel like you belong. We talk about how we we ought to live in response to Christ and and in light of the fact that we were... who created us and how we were created and what wisdom looks like in our life in response to being created beings... But more of Jesus is always the goal. More of Jesus is always the goal. To to hear that we are seen and loved, that he has compassion for us. And how do we know he has compassion for us? Well, we look to the cross. We look to the cross. And we see we're loved. Jesus says, "You, you want proof that I have power over the unseen world? I give you my life. You want proof that I love you? I'm not just using words. I give you my life. Why should I come to you? How how can you forgive sins? How can you have power to forgive? I burst forth out of the grave. That is my proof. I have authority over the living and the dead, the seen and the unseen. That is my proof that I ought to have authority over you. Because I'm the only authority that can bring full forgiveness. When Jesus declares you forgiven, you are forgiven from the highest authority. And it is the deepest cleaning of your soul you will find. And it is the most long-lasting cleaning of your soul you will find. And it is the most beneficial cleaning of your soul you will find. When he declares that you are seen, he does so from the highest authority. Authority. So I don't know what brings you here this morning. I don't know whether it was just your spiritual B12 shot. Don't know whether it was just you needed to have a sense that you were part of something bigger than just the day to day. To sit with those and sing with those who are walking through the same story. But what Jesus wants to give you today is a deep clean. What he wants to give you is a deeper relationship and understanding of his love and his compassion and his willing to reach out to you and touch you when maybe no one else will. Maybe when you feel like no one else should. Jesus will ignore that. And he will place his hand on you and say, I will it. Be clean. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Jesus, this is such good news. Oh, this is such good news. 
we have been made to feel lost. We've been made to feel on the outs. We've been made to feel unclean. As a result of so many promises. So many things we've been told to buy into. So many ideologies that we've been offered. That say if you, if you pursue this path, there will be joy, there will be contentment. There will be prestige, there will be wealth, there will be power. And like all those who've come before us and who live around us now... We are not an exception to the rule. Each one of those things eventually will turn on us and consume us. But Jesus, from the highest authority, you offer us identity. From the highest authority, you offer us cleansing. From the highest authority, you offer us forgiveness. And so as we sit here with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, we invite your spirit to push in, to lean in, and ask the question, what brings you here today? And we thank you that you will not do us the disservice of just fulfilling some of our wishes. Of offering us a gospel that will just make us feel good for a bit. That will maybe give us an emotional high. Thank you so much for not giving us that disservice. Thank you so much that your desire is to demand we are clean and welcome and seen and loved and forgiven from the highest authority. So God, whatever other voices might want to speak into our lives today, whatever other voices might want to say, work on this desire. Build this desire up. Let this desire consume you. Pursue it with your time and your mind and your money. Come what may. We pray that we would not be drawn to that, but rather to the, the king of all creation who reaches out to us while we are still unclean and touches us and demands, proclaims that we are clean in your eyes. That is life-giving. That is that is renewing life. That is new creation, and we need new creation. So God, however we come today, whatever is attached to us, whatever things have clasped onto our legs that are making us feel bound, in Jesus' name, we want to toss those aside. Anything that would keep us from pursuing you wholeheartedly. Because in you we find life. In you we find cleansing. In you we find purpose. And belonging. We thank you that when we come to you and we ask forgiveness. As we say here often. On the other side of our repentance is a God ready to embrace us. Nothing else. On the other side of repentance is a God a tearful father waiting to embrace us and say, you are welcome here. God, may this be our story, greater than any other story we could pursue. Do a work in us this morning that is so much more than just a booster to get us through this next week, but that would animate us with the good news of the gospel that says our God sees us and loves us and forgives us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. 
If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.